Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Platitudes won't save 9-11 lives. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Yes, indeed, platitudes won't save 9-11 lives. Come on, Congress, put your money where your mouth is. Refund the September 11th Victims Compensation Fund. I mean, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking like, duh, you have to be told this? Um... 9-11 has left many more victims than were obvious the first day or days after it happened. I mean, of course, there were the people who were killed, the people who were injured, uh, and so on in New York and Washington, D.C., in Shanksburg, Pennsylvania. And okay, some of them, you know, um, we knew what their fate was going to be not long after 9-11. But it has turned out that there are many more people who have been affected. These are people who, are, um, who, who came after the Twin Towers were hit and the Pentagon and the Shanksburg, Pennsylvania plane. Um, these are people who came to uh, help in the rescue, the recovery, the buildings um, afterwards, the getting rid of the debris and so on. And many of these people, you know, some people it was their job, um, the firemen, police, and so on, uh, the EMT, first responders. But then there were also people who came to uh, New York to volunteer in all of the, these efforts after the immediate incidents of um, the plane crashes. So, um, indeed, more people, and over the years, even more people we now see have gotten ill. And so the fund, and I'm going to give you a history of the fund, uh, because that's kind of important to understand. I mean, you may well have seen John Stewart uh, this week or very recently in front of Congress. He was so moving, and he brought with him a lot of the first responders. And... Um, uh, you know, it was so sad to see him have begging, basically begging Congress to please continue this fund and to add more money to it so that they could help more victims. So what are these victims uh, suffering from? Before, of besides, of course, the injuries that people got on the actual day of 9-11 that they, many victims are still suffering from, um, there are other illnesses that came from all the toxins when the planes crashed, when the buildings crashed. Um, there were toxins in these buildings, in these planes, that were now all over the area and, and of course, carried by the winds. You know, those ashes, <laughs> remember those ashes that we saw coming down from the Twin Towers? Well, they landed places. And, um, and people, I mean, can you imagine, these are uh, ashes that flew all over Manhattan. Some of them went to New Jersey uh, and certainly in Washington, D.C. They, they, you know, flew all over that area as well. But imagine um, the people who actually came to Ground Zero. And I have been at Ground Zero. I've been at the two museums. I've been uh, several times at Ground Zero itself. 
um, once when it was just a hole and uh, well it's still basically a hole but it's surrounded by uh, monuments and so on but um, it, you know when you think about um, the people who came there and uh, and sacrificed themselves to do the recovery and do the uh, cleanup and do the building and and all these things that had to be done to make it into what it is today um, you know they suffered for weeks and months in those in on that ground on grounds I should say in the other in DC and, and Pennsylvania also but of course uh, Manhattan ground zero was the worst was the most toxic and so people are suffering with respiratory problems, congest, um, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, rhinosinusitis, asthma, sleep apnea, gastroreflux disease, GERD, uh, cancers of all kinds, and then of course psychologically, PTSD, depression, and anxiety. These things are the most common problems, physical and psychological problems that the victims um, including the first responders, have, have suffered. So, you know, a lot of these things did not become apparent uh, right away, certainly even in the, in the weeks and months that they were working down there. And over the years, for example, the cancers, more people have developed cancers, and, um, and it can be traced back to their work and their volunteering at Ground Zero. So do we um, just forget about them? You know, there's all this talk about never forget, 9-11, never forget. And yet each year, and I've talked about this, each year when we have the anniversary of 9-11, the media forgets more and more to the point where um, you would think, and especially somebody, you know, for children, for people who weren't around on 9-11, you would think that um, there were just two pilots or four pilots who got lost, you know, who uh, maybe they were drunk, maybe they were just, they, they couldn't read their, the dials correctly uh, on their instruments. They just got lost and they happened to fly into the Twin Towers. That's what, that's what it has become as each year goes by uh, and we, we do forget. People forget. People want to forget. Some people actually, well, some people f forget, uh, but it's hard to distinguish that from denial. You know, when you want to forget something, you push it into your unconscious mind. So it's easier to so-called forget. Um, let, so let me talk about uh, this, what happened recently in, in the uh, hearings before Congress. Um, for one thing, there was a, uh, John Stewart came in, he, you know, he had many times he had to stop his um, talk because uh, he was, he was, you know, starting to cry and um, he didn't want to, to cry. Uh, you know, he wanted to continue talking to, um, to Congress. So um, he, he talked about uh that, let me see, I want to get some of his quotes here. Oh, well, first of all, he talked about how it was, it was horrendous. And I, I can't, it's really shocking to, to believe or to see that this happened in Congress. But he talked about how 
the room, one side of the room behind him was filled with 9-11 first responders who were injured, um, families of nine responders, people who the victims fund, September 11th victims compensation fund, were supposed to help and um, who were either not getting enough help themselves or were there on behalf of their um, fellow 9-11 responders. So John Stewart uh, talked about how uh, there were the, the part of the room that uh, had these 9-11 responders were filled, whereas the part of the room that was supposed to be the people from Congress were empty. There were not enough people in there. Uh, and he talked about how at the not giving the uh, responders, not giving the victims, not con continuing or first starting to compensate them will not fix the hole that 9-11 left. Um, they paid with the biggest price is basically what he was saying. It cost them their time, their life. Uh, he said they did their jobs with courage and grace and tenacity and humility. Now, 18 years later, do yours. And he, you know, part of why he is so emotionally involved is because he saw the World Trade Center fall from his house. Uh, now, after this hearing, a day after, the House Judicial Committee voted unanimously to extend the fund to 2090. They're calling it the Never Forget the Heroes Act. Uh, and now this is going to go before the full house, which, and they think this will probably pass, but then it's supposed to go to the Senate in order for it to actually become a law. Now, there are over 95,000 responders, first responders and survivors who are still sick. And these people are going to be left high and dry unless the fund is replenished. Um, there are at least 9,000 of them who have, well, that, that number, I don't know, there are different reports of different numbers. It drives me up a wall. <laughs> um, but because there are some reports that underestimate the number of cancer, um, people with cancer and so on. But I'm going to uh, tell you more about this, and particularly in regard to one of the people who were at this congressional hearing just recently, and who after the hearing wound up having to go into hospice because of his incurable cancer. So when we come back, I'll talk more about this and give you some of the history of this fund and why uh, it should be without a question that we continue it. You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Now back to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back to The Terrorist Therapist Show. As you can hear today, I am really on a tear, whatever that means, <laughs> really angry um, that there should be any question about Congress continuing to fund the uh, September 11th Victims' Compensation Fund. Now, granted, when they started this fund right after 9-11, and I'll tell you about that, um, they did not expect that there were going to be that many people 
who were going to come down with more uh, illness and injuries after 9-11. They knew um, by then approximately how many people had died, how many families needed compensation. They needed how many victims there were uh, who had been injured or were ill from the day itself. But they couldn't, or well, couldn't have perhaps, I mean, nothing like this has happened before. So I guess in a way they couldn't have uh, anticipated how many more people, first responders, volunteers, NYPD, uh, the fire, New York Fire Department, the um, EMTs, uh, all of these first responders, they didn't really and couldn't really have anticipated how many of them would become sick. So they thought when they first um, dedicated a certain amount of money to that, uh, that that would be enough. But in fact, as the years have gone on, many more people, the people who were involved in the recovery, in the, um, uh, well, in the rescue, first of all, and then the recovery and the remediation and the um, taking away of all the debris and the rebuilding, all of these people who worked at Ground Zero have now come down with some of the illnesses that I talked to you about, especially devastating is the can- are the cancers. And um, so let me, I, I was mentioning about how John Stewart uh, appeared in Congress just recently on behalf of this fund and behalf of the people who still need help uh, and he brought with one of the people he brought with him, one, one of the first responders, was a retired NYPD officer uh, by the name of Lou Alvarez. And Lou Alvarez, one day after he uh, came back um, to New York, presumably from Washington, D.C., testifying before Congress, he had to go into hospice because of his incurable cancer. Really sad. And he wrote on his Facebook, you should read his Facebook pages, um, well, his page with his posts. And he wrote, hello, everyone. I'm still here and still fighting. I just wanted to let you know what is going on with me. Since you have been with me on this three-year ride, I'm now in hospice because there is nothing else the doctors can do to fight the cancer. It had nothing to do with my trip to D.C. That was just coincidence. Well, you know, I, um, I'm sure the trip to D.C. and the stressful time at Congress, I mean, John Stewart was, die, was, was dying, was crying. So certainly this man um, was impacted by the stress as well, since he was one of the victims. But anyhow, I, I'm sure he doesn't want, to, Lou doesn't want to believe that it did have something to, that, to do with that. Anyway, he continued, the day after my trip, I was scheduled for chemo but the nurse noticed I was disoriented. A few tests later, they realized that my liver had completely shut down because of the tumors and wasn't cleaning out the toxins in my body, and it was filling up with ammonia, hence the disorientation. So now I'm resting and I'm at peace. I will continue to fight until the good Lord decides it's time. I will try to do a few more interviews to keep a light on our fight for the VCF benefits we all justly deserve. Please take care of yourselves and each other. God bless Lou. Still here, still breathing, still fighting. And it has a picture. Man, I'm getting uh, choked up and have chills myself just reading this to you. Such a brave man with all kinds of wonderful things on his 
Facebook page and I wrote something about um, how he's left a legacy uh, that will live on after him, the legacy of having of fighting for his fellow uh, first responders and the fund. Um, oh man, this is really, you know, I, I mean, it. this is just, um, again, these platitudes of we will never forget and all of this, uh, it's time for Congress to put their money where their mouth is. So let me tell you about how this all began. Um, Soon after 9-11, there was an act enacted by Congress called the Air Transportation Safety and Systems Stabilization Act. And that was made to compensate the victims or their families in exchange for them not to sue the airlines. Now that is an interesting little fact. (laughs) It wasn't all just um, uh, out of sympathy. It was in exchange for these people who would take the money that they would get from this fund um, in order to not sue and, and be satisfied with that in order to not sue the airlines. Because if they sued the airlines, first of all, the airlines would likely, you know, we're talking about the airlines of the four planes that were involved in 9-11. If they sued the airlines, uh, the air, there were so many people, and, uh, you know, this has been costing billions so far so uh, from the fund, so the airlines would have likely gone bankrupt. And if we um, didn't have these airlines, if the airlines went bankrupt, that would be very bad for the U.S. economy. So, you know, I'm sure it was part sympathy, but um, I think a lot of people are forgetting that this was the exchange, you know, that there was a deal. It was the government was doing it uh, for something to help themselves and, you know, theoretically to help the American people, too, by not damaging the economy. So in this first time that they the first time that they funded the September 11th Victims Compensation Fund, which was right after 9-11, they gave over $7 billion. And this was to 97% of the families who were victims or families of victims at that time. And um, they set up a, a, as part of the fund, they not only took in claims, but they had to decide how much each family would receive. And... um, the way that they did that was by estimating how much money the victim would have earned in their lifetime. Now, uh, in February, the reason why this is coming up again now, and there have been other times that it's been funded, so I'll tell you that in a minute, but the reason why it's coming up right now and why John Stewart was at Congress was in February 2019, the fund discovered that they had an insufficient amount of money left to pay the current victims and the projected future victims at the same levels. So they had to decrease the amounts that they were paying people. Now, um, part of the stumbling block that there was from the beginning is that many of the World Trade Center victims uh, were very high earners. They were financial professionals. And so in looking at how much they would have gained earned in their lifetime, it was a lot of money. Um, Some of these families wanted to sue individually, sue the airlines individually and not be part of this group. But um, there was a factor of time. And also, you know, the airlines might have gone 
bankrupt. There was an, an, an uns- it was unsure when they were making this decision whether the airlines were going to go bankrupt, depending upon how many people sued individually or just took this fund. So um, uh, let's see. Now to go to look at the – so that, that fund went from 2001 to 2004 – and then in 2011, there was, um, let me just see here. So from at the beginning, they distributed, um, there was an average of $2 million distributed per death, per each person who died. And the maximum was 7.1 million. They received over 4,500 claims. Um, and there were, um, at the time of 9-11, it was, it was reported that there were 2,996 people killed and over 6,000 injured. But again, there has, over the years, more and more people have become um, sick. So uh, in 2011, there was another act, um, the James Zadroga 9-11 Health and Compensation Act of 2010. It was re- they reactivated this fund, and they increased the number of people who would be eligible, and they added almost another $3 billion more. Then in December 2015, another uh, reauthorization happened for another five years and to 2020, and they put in an additional $4.6 billion. Now, in addition to Jon Stewart, who, of course, got most of the press uh, because he was so emotional and, and so he, he was brilliant in his speech, um, but there was also the special master who from this um, September 11 Victims' Compensation Fund, who also spoke. And her name is Rupa Bhattacharya. And she she asked for a permanent extension of this compensation fund. Well, um, let me take a break right here. And when we come back, I'll tell you more about this and more about why um, there should be no question, but that we need to keep funding this fund. (laughs) So stay tuned. You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Now back to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back uh, to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where I am ranting and raving about how Congress could even think twice about uh, continuing to fund the September 11th Victims' Compensation Fund. And it is, you know, not anybody's fault... (laughs) Well, the terrorists, but not anybody's fault that it was not possible to know right from the beginning when this fund was first funded by Congress to know that there were going to be um, illnesses 
the high toll, the high number of people who were going to come down with illnesses after the first few years, you know, when it was, it was originally funded um, for the first, you know, 2001 to 2004. And uh, I mean, yes, you know, we could have theoretically thought, well, yes, there are going to be toxins in these buildings and toxins in the plane. And yes, you know, people who work here are going to be exposed to toxins. But the huge numbers and the amount and the degree of illness were not able to be foretold. So yes, we need more money in this fund. That's the bottom line. Um, this, the fund is being distributed to first responders, workers, or volunteers uh, who were involved in the, in the rescue, the recovery, the cleanup, the construction, the debris removal, uh, and people who lived, worked, or went to school in the nearby areas, uh, as well as, of course, the families of the people who died, who presumably were compensated um, at the beginning. But, um, you know, there's, there, the, the money is used up. <laughs> the bottom line is the money that has been given and put into this fund has been used up or is, you know, is... is is now being recognized as not being able to pay for the claims that have already been made. And we can anticipate even more claims because exposure to toxins, um, it doesn't necessarily appear, the illness doesn't necessarily appear right away. It sometimes takes years for these toxins to work through people's bodies. I mean, you can sort of imagine that, um, see how that works with things like cancer. So, um, so, you know, this, this um, Never Forget the Heroes Act should be more than a platitude. <laughs> um, let me tell you why, one of the reasons why this is important, because besides the basic humanitarian reason that these people rushed in to help, um, they came with pure hearts. They, they saw this, you know, this is going to be the biggest tragedy in our lifetime, uh, at least until there is another... <laughs> attack of the same magnitude or lots of little attacks as there have been and medium-sized attacks for that matter. Uh, this is not the last one and in fact as um, you are listening to this there has been a new plot that was foiled with the terrorist just uh, arrested and charged and um, part of his plans uh, for his attack had to do with setting off a second bomb to kill the first responders. So now think of yourself, <laughs> put yourself in the place of a first responder. Um, this isn't the first time that a terrorist has wanted to set and has set, well, this particular terrorist didn't get a chance to set it, but as you probably know from the news, um, there have been uh, attacks where there was a secondary attack, a secondary bomb set for where either it was set to go off um, in enough time for the second for the first responders to come, uh, or it was able to be detonated um, from afar and it was set off when the first responders were there. So, if you are a first responder, what do you think <laughs> the likelihood is? or even a volunteer, someone who would ordinarily think of going down to wherever the attack is and helping people um, at their ground zero, the attack of the, the ground zero of a new attack. Um, what do you think the chances would be if you see how our government has um, handled, has people 
who did sacrifice their life, had did who did not think of themselves, but rush in to help us, to help other people without um, regard for how the toxins might uh, affect them later on or how there might be another bomb waiting to go off or something like that. You know, <laughs> there's going to come a day, I mean, between the attacks that there um, are uh, increasingly on police, not related to, to terrorism, but just, you know, all of the things going on with the police, um, making it harder to recruit police. And now uh, the Congress having to think about it, <laughs> whether they're going to continue to fund the September 11th Victims' Compensation Fund, that is not going to um, be very, uh, make it very tempting for whether it's first responders or volunteers to rush in for the next future terrorist attacks. And yes, there will be future terrorist attacks of various types. So let me tell you about the type that was just stopped, the plot that was just stopped um, this week. We have um, a man named Mustafa Musab Alawimer. <laughs> Again, I apologize for my uh, pronunciation, but let's just call him Mustafa. He is a Syrian refugee. Um, he is 21 years old. He was born in Syria. He was admitted to the U.S. as a refugee in 2016. He just graduated, was just graduated from high school uh, or in early June. And <laughs> this is what he does. You know, he, he's here. Um, since 2016, he takes advantage, you know, of um, the school system. He does well enough to be graduated. And what does he want to do once he gets, what's his, what's his career goal after he gets, you know, finished with high school? Like people ask that, what are you going to be? <laughs> um, he's going to be a terrorist. And actually, he did tell people that online, um, which is how the FBI found him. He was writing um, things on social networks and in encrypted apps and starting in April. And he talked about his interest in jihad. He talked about offering to inform uh, people about potential ISIS targets in Pittsburgh. Oh, yes. His plan, sorry, his plan, should have mentioned this earlier. His plan was to bomb the Legacy International Worship Center in Pittsburgh. And so he, um, before that, when he was writing on social media and on apps, he talked about how he could inform, give, provide information for ISIS, anybody who, you know, wants to do this on behalf of ISIS, um, potential ISIS targets in Pittsburgh. And um, he was, this was discovered, fortunately, uh, by the FBI. And, um, you know, they started uh, surveilling him. And um, he was talking to them about, you know, uh, what he was buying for his bombs and so on. And he said that, and he, he actually did uh, buy nails to be used as shrapnel and batteries and chemicals. And he told them that he wanted to put all of these things in a backpack that he would leave at this church and he would use a remote control device to detonate this bomb. And he had planned on having a second bomb 
for the first responders, for the police and first responders. So, um, and he was also planning on leaving an ISIS flag and a sign, we've arrived. So he had this thing pretty well pl um, planned out and he, you know, bought the, um, the, you know, the uh, FBI waited, to, they had to wait till he actually did, made some act, not just talking to them, but made some act to show that he was serious about going forward with this bombing. And he did, um, in fact, um, buy these things. They are now in the process of searching his home uh, for more information and more you know, more things that they can use in his case. Um, he is being charged with one count of attempted uh, providing of material support and resources to ISIS and two counts of distributing information related to an explosive destructive device or weapon of mass destruction in relation to his plan to attack a church. So his, gook is, his goose is cooked. Um, at least one would hope. It certainly seems like it is. Um, and it's kind of, you know, Pittsburgh. Remember, that was the place of the attack on the Jewish uh, synagogue not that long ago. So um, this, you know, is sort of a reminder, lest the Congress forget, that there are still... Um, still people out there who are inspired by ISIS and Al-Qaeda for that matter, and um, who are planning all kinds of attacks, including those that would impact first responders. Now, um, I think that the Congress should be thinking of that when they are making this decision, which I think should be a no-brainer, um, about refunding the September 11th Victims Compensation Fund. Now, yes, did it wind up costing, did that fund wind up costing um, billions more than they expected? Absolutely. Um, is it going to possibly cost billions more? Yes. Uh, there definitely will be more people getting sick. I met one of the men, in fact, who um, had worked on at Ground Zero, uh, he was removing the debris. I met him when I was at the uh, one of the 9-11 the Museum. And he had cancer, and he was working as a uh, docent at the museum, telling his story and telling people about his cancer, or that he has cancer, not, not necessarily going into the gruesome details. But um, So these people, I can tell you firsthand, these people do exist. So I hope, I'm glad that uh, the House Judicial Committee voted unanimously to extend the fund to 2090 under the Never Forget the Heroes Act. Now the full House has to do the same thing and the Senate has to do the same thing. And I just want to repeat the, the really moving words of Jon Stewart, which are, they did, their, they did their jobs, meaning the first responders, with courage, grace, tenacity, humility, 18 years later, you do yours. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist.
If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.